Hi, my name is Sophie. And I'm Maeve. And you're listening to Activate On Air. So what are we talking about today, Sophie? Today we are talking about poetry. Poetry is art. Agreed? Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Good. So, especially for people our age, um, poetry can be sort of controversial because I think people assume poetry to be one thing, which is sort of old verses that are, you know, really, like, Hard to get through. Yeah. Yeah. Metaphors that don't really make sense, and then they hate it. People can really hate poetry. Mm -hmm. Like, in English class, there's always that one kid who's like, I hate this. I hate this. Which, I mean, is understandable, because when you have something that, obviously, poetry can be very complex, and it takes a lot of analyzing to really understand what someone's trying to say in certain certain poems. Mm -hmm. Um, And if that's all someone is exposed to, it can feel very daunting, and I understand the instinct to just be like, I don't like this, and I want to... Well, and we're exposing them to very, like, white poetry I think like, uh-huh. po- poetry is so entrenched in culture so like that kid loves rap music we know he loves rap mm-hmm. music why are we not going into it showing like the cultural diversity of poetry you know mm-hmm. I think people hate poetry because they've only been exposed to like one type yeah when you read Shakespeare and that's the only mm-hmm. example of poetry you have of course you're gonna be like oh god this is horrible yeah you can't love Shakespeare until you've learned to love poetry that isn't Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, you need context of, like, what poetry is, why people write it, what the point is. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what is poetry, what's the point, why do people like it, why do people hate it, mm-hmm. what's good and bad about it. So I wanted to talk a little bit about our personal experiences with poetry. Because I assume they're different, but I think, as we were talking before, the way you're introduced to poetry can really set up how you think about it. So my mom was an English teacher, and she actually did, like, these coachings for slam poetry. So there were, like, these really big national competitions where people learn how to say poetry, I guess. Like, it's just, like, it's not not even a writing thing, I think. If, If I'm remembering correctly, it's just how you project it mm-hmm. yeah um and so I'd always like get to huh, join in like the bandwagon for competitions and stuff and see all of that and that was really my first exposure to poetry that was not the bland first stuff that you're introduced to mm-hmm. um for me uh, my I mean I've read poems when they're in class or when I see them and look them up but I haven't ever really gone out of my way to find poems but I do um, resonate a lot with the metaphors that seem to I mean they're just poems have metaphors mm-hmm. and um, the way that words can be used like this the way that words sound can be used to display an emotion 
and I feel like I've utilized that in a lot of my like academic writing I like to use fun sounding words together and I think that it Mm -hmm. pushes the point home more and that's I mean a lot of what poetry is about it's about using words and language to show something and I think that you can utilize those tools in a lot of the things that you do that aren't poetry Mm -hmm. for sure um so something I think this is what really inspired this episode what we wanted to talk about is specifically the genre of slam Slam poetry, poetry which is something I both love so much but also it can annoy the crap out of me so you might know a lot about slam poetry you might not know a lot but it's a certain category, I guess. Many things can fall into it, but I describe it as poetry that is meant to be performative, like that is specifically its purpose. Mm-hmm. And I, one of the reasons people have started to kind of dismiss slam poetry, um, they don't like it as much, is because it often falls into this very repetitive... It's like a... It's like an exact cookie cutter. This is how I talk. I'm going to stress this word, mm-hmm. and that's how I feel. And it's, <laughs> it feels like an SNL skit sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like it's a joke because these people... And, I mean, obviously, when they're talking about real issues, and they're probably talking about issues that have impacted them individually, but when it's performed in a way that is so overdramatic and it's a spectacle I feel like it can be easy to not take it seriously sometimes which sucks because Mm -hmm. you know their their words are do have meaning and they do have value and people do dismiss them sometimes because of the way that they choose to communicate them Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day you could just like it appears silly like when Mm -hmm. you say stuff like that you know yeah, and there, I feel I feel like there's got to be a line between, um, like, hold on, let me collect my thoughts. You can very obviously tell when something is um, genuine mm-hmm. and when it's not, and I think that that comes through a lot with slam poetry because you can really tell if someone's actually putting their real emotions into it mm-hmm. and when someone's just... And then, you know. And I am the sun, and you are a piece of paper. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we talk. We've talked a lot on this podcast about acting and good acting and bad acting, Mm -hmm. and how that can be viewed as good art and bad art. And at the end of the day, if you want to be the have the highest potential as an activist, you need to kind of be good at what you're doing, or else it won't be received as fully. And so it's so hard to be like, <laughs> it's only good if you're good, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, again, of course, you what they're saying has value. But perception of that varies depending mm-hmm. on the performance. I don't know. This is sort of unrelated, but recently I think it's been like a big theme in my life. And it's sort of, like, a tough thing to chew on, but, like, perception is reality, you know? So let's say, like, you're having a petty fight with your friend, and you're like, dude, 
they really hurt my feelings. <laughs> and then they say all this stuff like, oh, but it shouldn't have. Perception is reality, and so that person's behavior is reality. Same way in that when you're talking about art, you can explain away, oh, it should be this, it should feel like this, but if it doesn't feel like something when you're watching it, perception is reality. Mm-hmm. Well, perception is the what people take away from it, and that is what you know impacts the future. That's what impacts that individual. So perception... It's like, it's like when people say that intent doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like if you're doing something to harm someone, it doesn't matter what your intent is. You're still causing harm. So, yes, I agree. And not that slam poetry is causing harm. No, no. But <laughs> it could also be like not cause change because of the way it's presented. Yeah. And, and I think that's what we're trying to get at. You can also kind of hurt your message. Mm-hmm. To, and this is not your problem. I, if someone looks at your art and they say that girl's silly and so I'm not going to care about her issue and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be pushed away from what she's saying because of how she's delivering it, that's not your problem to face with. That's that person. But if we're talking about a mass-produced media, which this doesn't have to be. You know, this mm-hmm. could be for your friends. So let's say hypothetically you have this poem and you feel, okay, so this is a perfect example. Amanda Gorman um, is the poet who wrote um, The Hills We Climb, I believe that's what it's called, and she performed it at the White House for the inauguration. And it was so well received because Mm -hmm. she was saying these heartfelt, painful words so articulately and with emotion, and she was very much like using her hands, and it was performative, and you could definitely put that, in my opinion, under the category of slam poetry. But it was genuine, and you could tell that it was genuine, and that's, I think, the difference, because I feel like a lot in slam poetry, people just yell, (laughs) they just scream, and to get their point across, and the the things that are coming to my mind, uh, or the the slam poetry about rape, Mm-hmm. It's a very serious topic. These people that are talking about it have obviously been affected by it, but they're just they're just yelling. And I understand mm-hmm. the anger, but that can sometimes be perceived and not the like not to its fullest potential. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't, I haven't, I don't think I've like watched what you're specifically talking about. I so just, I, don't I, have, like, I the just, context. when I was in middle school, I mm-hmm. like went on a just binge of a bunch of slam poetry and. A lot of it. I, I mean, I enjoyed it. When I was watching it in middle school, I thought it was the yeah. best thing ever. But it is a lot of just yelling and anger, which is can be utilized sometimes. But mm-hmm. there has to be a an element of of your pain. You know, mm-hmm. that pain is important to get across, and anger can um, diminish the way that your yeah. pain is perceived. Two things, because I don't want to forget, because they both feel very connected to what you're saying. One, pulling back, all this, you know, matters is because if you aren't able to reach a large amount of people, then you aren't doing your words as much justice as you could be. So that's, you know, that's why it matters to be good. It's not just saying people should be better at acting because that's what we like to see. It matters because it will be received more broadly. And then on top of that, something you're talking about, about the whole, like, you don't want anger to control your words or a character. We were actually talking about this yesterday in rehearsal for Cabaret for Change, which you should see on the 29th and the 30th. Um, We're doing Into the Woods, and we were talking about the character of the baker. And he's sort of this misogynistic a-hole sometimes, right? Like, always telling his wife what to do. You don't belong here. Like, just go. I can do this all by myself. Um, There are parts of it that are, like, just not 
compelling if you want to like the character. And we've also talked about this for many other characters. Specifically, I'm thinking of Cliff. Some people play him very angry. Cliff in Cabaret. Yes, sorry. Some people play him really angry and controlling. And it totally takes you out of why these two people would want to be together if mm -hmm. you don't show the love. And so the word I always love to use is simplicity. Mm -hmm. You, If you feel your emotions that are... Emotions like anger are best paired with you know, the yin-yang of that. So mm -hmm. if you're going to be this angry character, then you need to pair that with your realities of love and compassion. Well, and there's also always an underlying reason for that anger. And mm -hmm. if you don't show the emotions that are underlying that, it comes across so, like, two-dimensional. Yeah. Like, Cliff is angry at Sally because he loves her and mm -hmm. she is self-destructive. That's why he's angry. And if... And if someone plays him as just an angry guy, you don't see any of that subtext. Exactly. Same in the poetry. If you are, if you have an angry message, which often anger is the complete right feeling to feel, and it's important to see that anger. Like especially in the Black Lives Matter movement recently, like there are so many, rightfully so, extremely angry people, and it was so powerful to see that anger because they deserve to be angry. Um, and I think uh, anger wouldn't have hit as hard if it wasn't also paired with the complete sorrow and mm -hmm. devastation that is also... And, you know, you got to think of the people who don't necessarily align with those ideas. All they're going to see is the anger. Mm -hmm. And so without the complete picture, it, you just have to have it in order to create change. Mm -hmm. There has to be mm -hmm. the good, bad, the ugly. Because that's what, I mean, that's what compels people's empathy. Mm -hmm. is seeing someone hurt and seeing mm -hmm. what really is impacting them. And anger is a useful tool for an individual to um, get over their sadness. Absolutely. I feel like anger is a much easier emotion, but um, ultimately it's not the one that does the most for you, healing-wise um, and communication-wise. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to communicate when you're just fueled by anger. So I think, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm glad that we made our way to this point because I think that it mm -hmm. it is relevant. Poetry is all about communication mm -hmm. and to do that properly you have to have a certain understanding of communication just mm -hmm. in general. Yeah. You know like let's say you were just given a poem to read and perform you kind of have to fully understand the implications of that poem. In a similar vein of poetry um, spoken word and monologues in theater can often feel kind of slam poetry-ish like um, I don't know I've watched a lot of people's GSA auditions mm -hmm. Governor's School of the Arts auditions yes. where they have to do monologues and um, long monologues where it's just one person always feel to me like poetry and because mm -hmm. the way that people emphasize their words is very much poetic so yeah, I feel like, because um, when you're just talking in conversation, the words you emphasize do not feel poetic. But when you have lines written down, you are able to think about the implications of each word, think about which ones need emphasis. Mm -hmm. um, so there is definitely a parallel there between like slam poetry, performative poetry, and monologues. Um, which means that you have the same, the same issue of trying to get your point across and being very aware of what emotions you're utilizing when you're saying these things. And mm -hmm. it's hard 
not to acting is hard <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff you have yes. to think about all the time absolutely and the, at the same time not overthinking it and just trying to live it like you're actually living it mm -hmm. it is such a mind bomb yeah you have to be careful about not masking the under undertones with mm -hmm. just one overwhelming emotion yeah so overtone. like if you're <laughs> you don't want to I, I just it sounded so nice that i had to put it there you don't want to in this is maeve's quote you don't want to mask your all your beautiful undertones with one ginormous overtone. You can put that in a book somewhere. Period. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. If you're... Okay. Example. For my GSA audition, I did a monologue where I was talking to my mom about how I was jealous of my sister who was sick. And, like, like it was just this... I was angry was the mm -hmm. monologue. And I was trying to explain my anger. And um, this guy came in to our theater group to like help us work on our monologues, and he had someone hold my arms behind oh, my back, yeah, yeah. and he stood across the room and he was screaming at me and cussing me out and screaming at me and had me yell my monologue at him, like and like fight away from the person that was holding my arms. So um, that kind of stimulus, I think, was helpful, but it also it was just, he was just trying to get the anger out. And I don't know if that was just a tool to put more, you know, like intensity into it, but I was just- Raising the stakes. Raising yeah. the stakes, but I was just yelling. Mm -hmm. oh, well, now that I think about that, I guess that is helpful, because it's like you do have to use, you do have to use that anger mm -hmm. to like get, get the intensity. So yeah. that was helpful. I don't know, just a fun little story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the whole point of this is that poetry, because it is now such like in the olden days back when um you know color hadn't been invented yet and <laughs> laws were kind of weird um you know <laughs> there was a very like singular picture of what poetry is and now like this could be poetry no it could not well, but like that's not even that's not even necessarily true it's i'm sure poetry existed in all sorts of cultures that's true oh yeah no that's a very people, westernized opinion of mm -hmm. me um, recently people have become more aware of the different types of poetry i think that's definitely something that should happen because it's such a valuable source of activism and it's such a good way to share important topics and i think that a lot of people disregard it because they don't mm -hmm. know enough about it um which is kind of a shame honestly because mm -hmm. it's a really beautiful form of art and um the fact that it is so white <laughs> and everybody like just i feel like the majority of american students see white poetry and that's all they see which just i think it's a very similar thing to modern art you know, you see a circle on a square and you immediately hate it because it feels like it means nothing and that you could totally do that. And I think poetry, like, we are just, we serve um, sometimes the wrong poetry to the wrong groups. And of course, you know, you don't like, no one's going to really be into something that does not open a door to them. And we can't expect doors to just open for people who don't have the correct tools. Mm -hmm. And same thing with theater. I think the whole point of theater is to open doors to people using the tools that they may not already have. Using your emotional intelligence to show all of those layers of the human emotion that they are experiencing through poetry 
and through monologues. It's just all so deeply connected because it's all about the words you're saying and how important they are and how every single word matters. And then at the same time, expressing, you know, the deepest truths of humanity. Like, what is there anything more beautiful? And do not say childbirth because it's not. <laughs> you would be wrong. I guess it's awesome. Poetry's yeah. awesome! Poetry, I, I really, <laughs> truly enjoy the way that you can take words and put them in weird orders and make mm-hmm. it make sense. I think that's... And I like that you can use linguistics and the way the words sound and um, alternate meanings. Like, there's just so many routes that you can take. Mm-hmm. I love alliteration. alliteration. Alliteration is my favorite. I told someone today that they were um, perfectly... Uh, what did I say? Perfectly perfectly proactive. I said you are perfectly proactive. And I just, yeah, I love, I think this is a good segment. I think, I don't know how much do you love writing poetry? I feel like what? I enjoy writing poetry, but it takes a lot of mental effort. And I have little of that. Yeah. Well, I, I love writing poetry. It's something I find so therapeutic and relaxing. And just playing with words, like understanding the language and fun ways to use linguistics it's just so much fun um and then we can't really finish this out this episode without talking about like poetry is songwriting right Mm -hmm. so i'm not sure how much really needs to be said about this but i think the more that we can conflate the two with young people the more sense it will make and the more accessible poetry will feel to people. Mm. Well, the whole point is is that, I, in my opinion, it could all be said as poetry, mm. but some things will definitely make less change than others. Like, it's on a very broad scale. Um, yeah. Okay. We're going to read you some poem. Well, two. <laughs> We're going to read you yes. two poems now. We have both picked a poem different um, themes and vibes and we're just gonna we're just gonna share some poetry with you um so i will be reading the two-headed calf by laura gilpin tomorrow when the farm boys find this freak of nature they will wrap his body in newspaper and carry him to the museum but tonight he is alive and in the north field with his mother it is a perfect summer evening the moon rising over the orchard the wind in the grass and as he stares into the sky, there are twice as many stars as usual. Aww. Aww. You want to <laughs> talk about, about why you like it or just leave it there? Um, I'll just leave it there. I really like it, and I'll leave it there. Okay. I'm going to read mine now. It is called Amy Likes Spiders. You know what I heard about Amy? Amy likes spiders. Icky, wriggly, hairy, ugly spiders. That's why I'm not friends with her. Amy has a cute singing voice. I heard her singing my favorite love song. Every time she sang the chorus, my heart would pound to the rhythm of the words. But she likes spiders. That's why I'm not friends with her. One time I hurt my leg really bad. Amy helped me up and took me to the nurse. I tried not to let her touch me. She likes spiders, so her hands are probably gross. That's why I'm not friends with her. Amy has a lot of friends. I always see her talking to people. She probably talks about spiders. What if her friends start to like spiders too? That's why I'm not friends with her. It doesn't matter if she has other hobbies. It doesn't matter if she keeps it private. It doesn't matter if it hurts anyone. It's gross. She's gross. The world would be better off without spider lovers. And I'm going to tell everyone. 
Dang. <laughs> and poems. <laughs> poems. Hooray. Cool. Well, um, I think that's where we're going to leave it. I Dang. love poetry, and I think it should be read all the time. Can we do a poetry is cool in unison? Mm-hmm. Poetry is cool. Cool. Nice. Okay. Um, well, I hope this has been good for you. It's been so good for us. I'm going to pass it on to Riley. I'm Riley Sedeth here with Kathiri Mariti to talk about the power of poetry. And now we have our actor shout out of the episode, which is an initiative that shows that not every audience member is the same. They are not all part of the majority, so not every actor is going to be the same. Today is special, however, because I'm not shouting out an actor. I am bringing light to poet Jane Nichelle. I researched for black spoken word poets, and she was one of the first people to pop up. I watched her poem about her anxiety, where she talks about how real the weight of her anxiety is because it feels like it is crushing her, and I found it to be very raw, and the cheers from the audience were very, very inspiring. Uh, I also was linked to her Instagram, which is at Crop Top Assassin, where she performed her poem A Thousand Ways as part of her Speak Up poetry series. Uh, My favorite quote is when she says, and I can't do it nearly enough justice, Uh, But her words are, maybe there's only black women in this poem. So if there's a storm, we can have each other's backs like no one ever has ours. I mean, I guess every day can't be full of sunshine, right? And oops, there I go. Even in my poems, I can't imagine all sunny days for us. You see, all these people force us open so they can seep sorrow even into our dreams. Scratch that. This poem is full of sunshine because I said it is. And even the sun is like, yes... Go unabashedly bask in your skin. I love the way she acknowledges the fact that the power of her poem can be what she wants it to be. It can have sunshine for black women if she says it can. Speaking of strong, powerful poetry, we will now hear our very own guest, Kathura Mariti, read the poem they wrote for our Cabaret for Change before I ask her some questions about it. I am perched on strong, durable, faithful shoulders the shoulders of brothers and sisters whose names are forgotten to so many. I am perched on shoulders of believers and revolution leaders. I observe this world from on top of those shoulders. I yell their forgotten names through my stance, resilience, my cries, and willingness to face the world every day. And when my presence in this world is tested or threatened, they tell me to keep faith, keep strength, journey on. That was beautiful. Uh, so first off, I just wanted to say that I've known Kathure for a little while, and she has always been incredibly composed and eloquent, so it's no surprise they're such a good writer. Uh, I guess my first question would be, what got you into writing? Um, I feel like I've always had writing on my side as an outlet to express um, my feelings and my passions, because sometimes it can be really hard to express that in everyday conversation, either because of anxiety or insecurity or anything like that. But writing and putting things on paper have always dominated those feelings. And it's been pretty easy for me to express myself through that. Um, So, yeah. I feel the same way. It's such a beautiful thing to be able to craft and put all these words together to form what you want them to be. And it's such a simple task, but it 
it's so much more creative than people think. Um, I guess my next question, you know, it's kind of a difficult one to ask, but where do you think the real power in writing lies? Is it in the words, the delivery, the rhythm, a mixture? Poetry is incredible because there's so much power in every element of it, from writing it, from speaking it and delivering it, to being an audience and hearing it. You know, there's just so much power in each part of it. Um, every time that I write a poem, the feeling of writing it sticks with me forever. And that's powerful, you know? Um, but I think that I know when a poem is good once I've written it, if it feels honest and it feels like something I'd say, or like an internal monologue, um, I kind of like to say about poetry. Um, I think poetry is powerful when it can stick with everyone and can be interpreted in different ways by everyone. Absolutely. I think it's so nice that, like you said, it can be this inner monologue, this very, very personal feeling, but then the audience can interpret it in so many different ways that it can even take on a whole new meaning. I think that's very beautiful. And can I just say, I mean, I'm going to reiterate it again, your writing is beautiful, and that was a beautiful poem. Um, and we know most writing you know, usually has some form of intention behind it. Uh, so what is the message you want whoever is listening to take away from that poem? Um, I wrote this poem in thoughts of my ancestors in the time of slavery in America, in the time of Jim Crow, and truthfully every person of color existing in America right now. Mm -hmm. I wanted people to take away from this poem that strength is still what's at the root of our hearts no matter what's happening to us. Um, strength is always what will move us forward because of the roots that we come from, and uh, I guess I just want everyone in the audience to feel that when they hear it, and I want them to feel powerful within themselves when they hear it. I love that. I absolutely love that. <clears throat> Talking about how our strength is in our hearts, I think that's a really great message, and it's something universal that any, everyone can tap into. Um, <clears throat> And for our Cabaret for Change, uh, we are, of course, performing some of the poems we wrote. What is your favorite part about that? My favorite part about, like, uh, hearing everyone's poetry that they wrote, all coming from one prompt that our director gave us, is just so interesting because everyone came up with a different thing. Like, everyone felt like they should express something different when they heard that prompt and that was beautiful. Like a bunch of different stories came from a bunch of different kids and I'm so excited for everyone to hear their stories because that's really what this cabaret is about and I'm so excited. Yes, I loved that. I loved getting to hear everyone's different take on just a simple prompt. I love exercises like that. And just out of curiosity, um, what is your favorite line that you came up with from your poem? My favorite line is, I yell their forgotten names through my stance, resilience, my cries, and willingness to face the world every day. Um, I tried to uh, hint to say their name, uh, you know, the, mm -hmm. what was part of the big Black Lives Matter movement um, during the summer after George Floyd and Breonna Taylor's and many more's death. And as we remind people to say their names, um, I want to show people that I'm yelling their names just from being alive just from being here because there are so much of me because yeah they're my brothers and sisters 
Yes, that hint was, I completely got the same thing from that poem and it was, I loved it. I loved how subtle it was, but also how I still picked up on it. It was very nice. I'm so happy to hear you picked up on that. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I loved it. Um, well, that is all the time we have. Thank you so much for talking with me today. I really enjoyed hearing your poem um, and getting to talk with you about it a little bit more. Um, I also really look forward to hearing you perform that poem on the stage and everything. Um, Thank you, and yeah. I'm so excited to hear your poetry featured. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, as always, listeners, don't forget to check out Jay Nichelle at Crop Top Assassin on Instagram, which is our poet, poet shout out, if you don't remember. Um, and don't forget to engage with us over social, social media, which Sophie is going to plug in a bit. Um, however, today is special again, because we are actually going to close today's segment with Sophie and I reading our poems that are also featured in the beginning of our Cabaret for Change, which you should all definitely come see. <laughs> um, Thanks for tuning in. Now over to future me reading my poem and then over to our fearless leader, Sophie, with her poem. I stand on the backs of privilege, of lives that weren't necessarily easy, but lives uplifted by the norm and the standard. My feet push off the broadened backs of my past to land on the ground that welcomes. A consideration, a kindness envelops the soles of my feet. I get to acknowledge. I stand on the ground of new future, a system that is built on poisoned roots, the past ideals bleeding through every moment, in every bullet hole of prejudice. I don't have to live it. A new future, however, a train station inviting progression, a ticket for everyone and a need that people do not waste their ticket. I stand on the platform for not one man, not one norm, but for people. I stand on my past to rise for a new future, a new hope. I didn't have to live it, so I get to acknowledge it. When I look to the past, I see empty towns haunted by lost lineages, motivated by fear. When what we hear feels more and more like whispers thought to be forgotten. A wandering people wondering when home can just be home. When a word is mine, but it is also just a page in a worn out book that was assumed to be mine. I can be something new, yet my new pages reflect a story told millions of times by millions of people within millions of pages. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Activate On Air. Feel free to check us out on our social medias at Activate On Air. Um, special thanks to Annie Harris, Brody Blair, and Brady Ernst behind the scenes. Again, we've probably said it like three times now, but we have our Cabaret for Change coming up at Moondance Theater on the 29th and 30th of May. It'd be really cool if you'd go to check that out. Thank you all. Cue the outro. Cue the outro.